All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Honestly Bilal. My name is Bilal Med, and I'm a fourth-year medical student at the University of Toledo. And this is Honestly Bilal, the show for the aspiring ophthalmologist, where I sit down and talk to medical students who are interested in ophthalmology, residents currently training in ophthalmology, and current ophthalmologists in the field today. Today, my guest is Dr. Rohit Rosbrow, Luckenpal. Dr. Luckenpal did his medical degree at the University of Maryland. He then did his residency at the Greater Baltimore Medical Center, followed by his fellowship in medical retina at Doheny Eye Institute at USC, where he was also under the uh, Fletcher Jones Foundation grant. And then he did another fellowship in vitro-retinal surgery at Baylor College of Medicine. Dr. Luckenpal has been a leader in small gauge vitrectomy surgery. He's been published in over 40 peer-reviewed articles in major scientific journals. He's published multiple textbook chapters and been the author of them. And he's a founding member and current president of the Vit Buckle Society. So Dr. Luckenpal, welcome. It's an honor to be with you. I mean, I've, I, I've, I've seen the Vit Buckle Society webinars and they've been fun, although I don't understand everything that's going on in terms of retina. <laughs> it's nice to see the camaraderie and the friendship that you guys have. So I'm excited to talk about that and welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Bilal. I, I think what you're doing is awesome. And you know, kudos to you for, like we were talking about before, taking COVID and transforming this into an opportunity for you and also for all those aspiring uh, you know, physicians out there in med school in terms of whatever they do. But ophthalmology you know, is a fairly small niche. So you know, it's hard to get some of these externships like we were talking about before. So listen, you're doing a great thing for a lot of people, and I think you're going to be extremely successful. So thank you for having me. Well, absolutely. I mean, that's the, the goal is to connect people together and, and build this community like you've been doing. So we're just trying to, trying to expand a little more for the medical students and residents out there, anybody who's training or looking for mentorship or anything like that. So kind of let's, let's start to the very, at the very beginning here. Let's, let's talk about ophthalmology, your interest in it. Where did it come from? And then why did you, how did you find the path to retina? And, and talk about your passions for these, this field and, and how you got uh, interested in it. Sure. So, so my, my path is interesting. Like we were talking about before a little bit, you know, I like the word circuitous, you know, mm -hmm. so uh, my path was not linear. Uh, you know, we were saying before, like you've had some great people on and, and Prithvi is a great friend and I love Prithvi. And even he talked about how uh, his path was not linear. So, you know, we're always going to have people in our med school classes or ophthalmology residency. They're just super bright in every way. Everything goes well for them. They're number one here, number one there, and their path is linear. And, you know, I, I wish that had been the case, but, you know, my path was a bit all around. Uh, just so you know, my father is a retina specialist, actually. He's okay. been practicing for 40 years. So it was sort of the assumption was you're going to go into ophthalmology. You're in med school. You're going to go into ophthalmology. You're going to go into retina. Mm -hmm. uh, I actually wasn't interested in ophthalmology at all until my third year of, of medical school. I actually wanted to go into orthopedic surgery, and that was actually a passion of mine, believe it or not. Now, okay. looking back. Um, I was a bit of an athlete growing up. I, I really enjoyed my orthopedic surgeon. He, he was a great guy. And I, I kind of liked the, uh, the way they handled uh, all the various pathology. And the weird thing is when I did it as a, as a third year, I, I just didn't like the rotation. Sorry for all those mm -hmm. orthopedic surgeons out <laughs> there. Sorry for, <laughs> sorry, for, right, sorry for the med students who want to go into ortho. For some reason, I just couldn't get into it. And it was sad in a way because I really that's what I wanted to do. So it's one of those things where like, you're, you're so set on something sure. and you start doing it. And the, the practice is not what you had sort of thought, you know? And, and so I had to make some changes because the third year, okay, we're, right. we're already heavy into this. So yeah. my dad, I asked my dad for advice and he's like, you know, and he never had pushed me, which is to his oh. credit. 
And he was like, you know, we got these great guys across the street at this place called Johns Hopkins, Wilmer Institute. And they're oh, doing yeah. a lot of interesting stuff. Maybe you should call them and see if you can work with them. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, there's an idea. So, you know, luckily I, I got in touch with uh, Gene Dewan and Mark Kamayan, who were extremely great guys, amazing people, great mentors of mine. And, and kind of like how you were describing with, with ingenuity just now before mm-hmm. we started, they, they kind of showed me a world that I really had no idea. Like I thought ophthalmology, sadly, was just like glasses and maybe a little bit of surgery, not sure. that much. And mm-hmm. cataract surgery, and I thought, okay, cataract surgery is kind of interesting, but I'm not sure if I really want to do that for the rest of my life. What they showed me was that not only is about retinal pathology, but also all this stuff they were doing in terms of research with mm-hmm. new, new techniques which I thought were incredibly interesting. So that was sort of my liftoff. Now, this is sort of late in third year where I had to make a lot of decisions about what I wanted to do. Right. A little bit too late in some ways, but you know, it worked out. They, they, mm-hmm. they helped me out, got me um, good letters. I got into a, a, an ophthalmology program locally. Uh, and you know, I worked, my, my uh, chief was, uh, was a retina specialist, Pat Wilkinson, who was okay. great. Um, and I got to still work with Mark and Gene a little bit throughout that time. And at that time also GBMC was sort of a, became a part of the Wilmer Institute. So I did a lot of my rotations at Wilmer. So we were able to continue some of the stuff we had been doing. Um, and then after that, I had to make some decisions and, and it was around the time, and this was, this was, this is the circuitous path I'm talking about, sure. uh, is Mark and Gene left Wilmer and they went to Doheny Institute out in mm-hmm. California. Uh-huh. So the hard part was coming home and telling my wife that instead of doing a traditional retina fellowship, what if we move to California and I do research for a year or so and and because the stuff we're doing is really, really cool. Yeah. And she thought I was insane, you know, obviously. Mm-hmm. She's like, so you want to move to California <laughs> and do research and do medical retina? I mean, she's like, I don't understand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I have a the other thing we should, you know, this this sort of parlays into that discussion about support systems, right? Sure. We all need support sure. systems. So my wife was supportive enough to say, we will get up and move 3,000 miles away so you can do this because you're passionate about it. Yeah. And uh, let's hope it actually shows up as some actual result, right? Yeah. So we go out there, we start doing a lot of 25 gauge research. And mm-hmm. at that time, I think I told you, we have no idea what 25 gauge research was going to be. I right. mean, it sounded like a cool idea but everybody was doing 20 gauge and everybody was getting good results. And people were coming up to me at meetings saying, what you're doing is really not going to work. It's it's a nice idea, but it's not going to work. We don't need it. 20 gauge is is the standard. We don't need something like this. We don't need small gauge. Long story short, you know, did all that work. We were able to publish a lot of papers, wrote wrote some chapters, did all this Mm -hmm. stuff. And, you know, I think the reason I did it is because I had started a project with them and I wanted to finish it. I mean, mm. so my, my thing is for all those guys out there, all those, uh, you know, men and women out there who are doing research, you know, it's hard. It's research is hard because you don't know if you're going to actually achieve the goal of publishing yeah. it, but more importantly, not just publishing it is it, is what you're doing valuable, right? Mm. Is it, is it going to be a value to, to the field? And, you know, fortunately it was, but, but no, we have no idea when we're doing the research, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be a value. Um, you just have to have faith in it and you have to have faith in yourself, but it was a struggle. I mean, I'm not going to lie that living in California on 20 grand a year, yeah. is, you know, in That's... Southern California and working like that 
it was a struggle and my wife was so great. She never mm-hmm. complained about it. Uh, and to me, that sort of set up my, the way I think about retina, the small gauge sure. from that point on. And so we've done, a, I've done work in 25 gauge, obviously we also worked on some 27 gauge stuff with some other great people later on. And, and so small gauge attract to me is something I've always believed in. And I think now it is the standard. At the mm-hmm. time, we didn't know. Um, so I think what the message should be is research. If it's done, if you, re- if you really believe in it, you should try right. to see it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it may or may not pay off. It may or may not show the results that you, you want. But the key thing right. is the work does matter. The journey does matter. Sure. Um, ended up going to Baylor after that and doing a lot of surgery. And, and the great thing about the Baylor experience besides the surgery and, and the mentorship is I got to uh, meet my uh, one of my best friends now, and is uh, was my co-fellow Tom Albini, who uh-huh. is, is a great person. And I'm plugging you, Tom. So you know, I hope you're listening. So <laughs> I, I love Tom. So Tom and I were together for two years. We published a lot of papers together, but more importantly, we we developed a great friendship. Right. And out of that friendship, uh, we the other great thing about training is you're going to meet people who are in the same situation as you, you know, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, the, the, how the VBS was born is you, you meet people who have gone through experiences together uh, and, and we're all in the same situation and we're all struggling to actually finish uh, a fairly difficult path. Right. Sure. sure. And ret- retina is tough, uh, I would mm-hmm. say, but, but it's so rewarding. Uh, and the, and one of the most rewarding parts is, is that you, you establish these friendships and relationships that last, well, they've lasted 20 years, basically, and at this point, yeah. almost. And, and, uh, and that's how the Bitbuckle Society came about, was the friendships. So mm-hmm. the, the path was all over the map. You know? I, and, and the other thing is, I will say, my father's a retina specialist, like I said, so everybody assumed I would do it. But my path is not was not linear in any way because I, I had to do it for myself. I think I think yeah. you have to do this for yourself. And it's sure. a, it's an important message. Whether your father, your mother, somebody is is a is a retina specialist or cornea specialist, whatever in your family, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean it doesn't define you. It, what yeah. defines you is your own passion, and and what what drives you as an individual is your own passion. You have to find that, and and mm-hmm. the path may not be easy, but it's worth it at the end uh, the journey is also an incredibly important part we've we've all heard that from people in the past but i think it's really an important message right absolutely and i think it's it's really interesting and i, and I didn't know this even even when we talked beforehand i didn't know that your father is uh, was a retina specialist and mm-hmm. it's clear that you've done things in this field because you've had ideas and you want to see them through and that you you know i think i think ideas are interesting because you don't we don't know where they come from they just kind of appear and uh you know my, my own my own dad my dad's a physician he's, a, he's in med peds and and there was points in med school where i was like i'm grinding really hard should i just you know just like you you think about for five seconds i'm like i could stop right now i, I don't have to apply ophthalmology i could just do med peds and say you know work with him yeah. and say i'm done but you know i think that's there's fruit in terms of the efforts that we put in and not because of you know we're trying to get to a destination ourselves but like you said that journey is really important and uh, you found out more about yourself along the way. And I think like we all grow and I'm sure you grew a lot in med school residency fellowship by pursuing what you wanted to pursue because you had ideas, like you said, moving to California and, you know, finding your mentors who, who you just had that gut feeling like I need to keep going where they're going. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important for us to remember as students or people who are listening and training right now to listen to our gut, even though if it seems, uh, you know, it's tough, just keep following it. 
So let's let's talk about Bitbuckle because I mean, you guys just had sure. uh, a meeting this week. I tuned into it, and uh, a lot of the stuff was way over my head. I don't know too much about <laughs> retinal pathology or the latest uh, developments, but it's interesting to see how passionate you guys are. I mean, you're passionate enough that you all dressed up in X-Men outfits. So there was a, <laughs> the, the theme was a legit. I saw Dr. John Kitchens, who who we've emailed back and forth. I'm not, we've not met yet, but I saw that he was a Wolverine. And, and I, I think, I don't know if I want to meet him more now or less, but I think, I think it was interesting. So. <laughs> but you know, Definitely it's cool that you guys more. have that. You have, yeah, more, more. Okay. More is great. I love superheroes. That's awesome. But you know, you guys, you all have this camaraderie. You have this clear friendship that's beyond your professional careers that you guys, there's these inside jokes. It was just, you know, obviously we don't, people who are tuning in who are med students, we didn't find it. We didn't understand any of them, but like just to see that, that group, that group love and stuff. So talk about how VetBuckle has grown and how it's played an important role in your, in your professional life and what you look forward to about the meetings and, and uh, even the virtual ones. So just talk about VetBuckle a little bit. Sure. So, uh, so VetBuckle grew out of uh, basically uh, a group of friends who had an idea. Uh, it was actually, it actually started at the uh, Fellows Forum in Chicago in 2006. So every year, uh, there's a great, amazing group of retina specialists who are in summer in private practice, summer in academics, and they do this uh, yearly meeting in Chicago in the winter, where it's, it's a little bit chilly. You know, it's like January in Chicago, so it's cold. But they, they put on a great show where they basically have all the fellows from all over the country come. It's one major event. They've got speakers. They've got, you know, mentorship, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I think kudos to them because they've done this for so many years you know so but when we were there i think our our feeling was you know we we also want to hear fellow stories like we want to hear mm-hmm. we want more the more fellow interaction we want and and wouldn't it be great if we could do more of these like you know i i met uh, you meet people on the interview trail obviously but then you don't see right. them right for two yeah. years until the mm-hmm. very end and you're finishing and and so you know a group of us who had sort of kept in touch uh, decided, you know what, w- wouldn't it be interesting if we could do a meeting that's, that's based on fellows running the meeting versus, or, you know, people who are just coming out of fellowship, like the, sort of a younger group that we can do more like interactive stuff. I think mm-hmm. my only negative about that fellows forum meeting, and I've actually talked to the organizers about it because we, we grew out of that. And sure. that was that there just wasn't a lot of interactivity. It was more mm-hmm. like, okay, you're a fellow and you're going to hear a bunch of, of talks about yeah. how to fix this, how are you going to fix this, or, or what's right. going on with this, and whatever, which is fine. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, at, at that time, in like early 2000s or whatever, that was the curriculum, right, is boom, here's, here's a video, mm-hmm. or here's, a, here's a, a, a picture of a retina like the one behind me, what are you going to do about it? And then they would have yeah. people talk about that. But the fellows themselves, I wanted to hear what the fellows had to say. I wanted yeah. to hear what the audience people had to say, because I learned more from that and I, I remember talking to some of the fellows after each talk and we were like, well, how would you have fixed that? Would you have done that? Because I would have done it this this way. Sure. So sure. it all started with what if we start something that's a small club? OK, kind of like a journal club or whatever. Right. It's a small sure. group. And we just we piggyback on national meetings. Like, for example, let's say ASRS. We do a dinner that's a bit buckle dinner at the ASRS meeting. That way we don't have to pay for like a, a huge auditorium. And by the way, we were a very small group. We were like 20 or 30 people, right? 20 or okay. 30 fellows. I mean, you know, we're talking, <laughs> we're talking really small here. But yeah, we would yeah. do a dinner. We would do a dinner and we had a mentor, Tim Murray. Shout out to Tim Murray. 
Tim Murray mm -hmm. was our first mentor. He basically was like, you guys actually have something that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, Tim Murray had interviewed me, Tim Murray at Bascom, when he was at Bascom, had interviewed me for residency and fellowship. And Tim, I, I love Tim as a friend now, but Tim is very intimidating. Okay. okay. So when we asked him <laughs> to do this, we thought there's no way he's going to be interested, right? Why would yeah. Tim want to be involved with a bunch of fellows who are just finishing? And mm -hmm. he's going to think this is not, this isn't going to make any sense. But he did. And he, he, he basically legitimized what we were thinking. That's and awesome. so we, for a few years, we started off with dinner meetings. 20, 30, 40, 50 people, some industry support, which was nice. We appreciated mm -hmm. that a lot. Um, I still have this photo that I can send you later on of the first official VBS meeting. It was at ASRS 2007, oh, nice. Palm okay. Springs. There was about 40 of us. It's a great mm -hmm. picture. There's a, a, some amazing people in that photo when you look at it. Yeah. It started from that. And then basically it started to grow in terms of interest. And then you know, we we're talking about circuitous paths. What should we do? Okay, we're at a mm. point at some point where we're like, people are asking us about standalone meetings. You know, we didn't know anything about standalone meetings. It, think about the law. Think about the fact that when you do a standalone meeting, you have to have enough industry support to get a hotel, yeah, get an true. auditorium, yeah. have room rates set up, contracts. It's mm. a huge financial responsibility, right? So we, sure. so you know, the, there's four of us who basically put our names down and, and established the society. And uh, Tom Albini, Charlie Mango, uh, myself, and Derek Kunimoto are the four of us who basically put our names on paper and said, "We are, we are the Vit Buckle Society. We are responsible for, you know, all this stuff." So financially, everything else, you know, it's a lot of stuff. We did our first standalone meeting in 2013 because we waited. So remember, mm. we started the society in 2006, 2007. Small, small, small. Didn't really want to overreach. Sure. There was enough interest and talking enough to industry that the industry support was there that we did our first standalone meeting in 2013. And then we've done one every year since, gotcha. except for this year, obviously, because of the pandemic. Right. And right. so to conceptualize Bitbuckle, I would say we we didn't want to do large meetings. Our, mm. our format was smaller meeting size, more interactivity, more mm -hmm. debate format. Mm. So we've kept okay. it around less than 200 attendees for the live meeting. Sure. So, because we could grow. I, I think now with the virtual thing we've had in our first virtual session, we had 900 people who yeah. actually read, you know, and then every meeting that we've done, the virtual ones, we've had at least 500 to 600, even with all the Zoom stuff going on. That's insane. So that's a lot more than our national yeah. meeting. Yeah. And it's because people from internationally and people who normally would not be able to attend the national meeting yeah. have yeah. been able to. So we, what we've decided to do is, you know, we're, we're a little bit off center as a group, mm -hmm. Buckle in general. We, we mm -hmm. like costumes. We like to make it fun. <laughs> so sure. what I tell people is, you come for the content because the content yeah. is actually really good. Like we're going to talk about stuff that's really important. Clinical right. trials, debate, sure. surgical things. We don't mm -hmm. skimp on that, but you stay mm -hmm. because it's fun. Yeah. Okay. It is a fun group. We have a good time. We're definitely the work hard, play hard group. Uh, awesome. It doesn't get out of control, but it's fun. And the thing is, it builds the camaraderie, which is what yeah. BBS is. It's about mm -hmm. camaraderie and it's about the friendships. For so, sure. You know, when we started the society, I had I had sort of a rule that I told everybody. 
and I, I'm going to take credit for this. I don't know. Maybe somebody else did. But <laughs> since we're talking, I'll take credit for this. Take it. Take like, it all. We, we, we have to have a group that gets along and, and yeah. people have to get along. And you have to put your ego at the door and you may disagree. That's fine. We, we can disagree on everything. It's fine. But we need to come to a consensus and we can't have people who are instigating or creating problems because that's not what this group is about. This group is Absolutely. about friendship, camaraderie. And then we've stuck to that. The yeah. core sort of 10 people that we've had for 10 years, mm-hmm. we've disagreed about things. We've always come to a consensus and no hard feelings. And that is an amazing yeah. thing. If you think about it. 10 alpha male and female people sure. who can agree on 99% of stuff. That, that's really right. hard to do. And I think you will realize this you probably realize this in your med school class. Imagine 10 of your med school co- you know, colleagues getting together and forming a club of some kind. And you're always going to have people who, you know, you just have to weed out the people who are unfortunately instigators and people who try to, you know, make things difficult. Yeah. Have to find common ground. Part of life yeah. is that. It's a good life lesson that you may not agree with things, but you have to find common ground. So, so what's happened is we've been very successful as a society throughout our national meetings. Um, but the virtual thing, like you're talking, like I was telling you about COVID and what you've done with COVID mm-hmm. and you've adapted to it. We have adapted to it and we were, we had to cancel our national meeting two weeks before the actual meeting itself. And this was, ex- this oh. was the most interesting time for VBS because there was a lot of disagreement. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to go over this because, you know, as president, I was really, really stressed out that two weeks sure. before our national meeting early March, COVID cases were pretty low, but it looked yeah. scary. And the meeting was going to be in Miami and the hotel was giving us a hard time. And frankly, uh, there were no COVID deaths in Miami at that time. Mm. And, but I just worried New York was starting to ramp up. Some sure. of my colleagues in New York who are on our group were like, you know, it's going to be hard. I don't know if it's yeah. going to work. And I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. So that was, the, that was a huge uh, sort of a speed bump that we got through. Hmm. But luckily we did a call, everybody vented their feelings. And thankfully we came to a really good consensus that we just need to be safe and cancel because if one person comes from a state and travels and infects anybody and these people yeah. are, we're all physicians. Right. Bottom line is this, we're all physicians. We have responsibilities to our patients, mm-hmm. to our families. Yep. If we get sick because we go to a meeting and we take it back, to a family member, a yeah. patient. You know what? That's not what BBS is about. That that right. is, and we all took the responsibility to cancel. But then we came out of it with this virtual series, which has been a huge success. And we yeah. and and Bilal, the thing is, we've kept the core belief system. Right. Right. We've had people give talks on clinical trials that are really important. Mm-hmm. We've had people give talks on surgical things that are really interesting. In costume. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> right? Very good costumes, right. actually. Yeah. So, so the fact that we have leaders in retina, top leaders in retina, mm-hmm. you know, like Bob Avery, you know, Dante Permici, you know, Jay Duker, uh, Carl Rogillo. I mean, we're uh-huh. talking people who are like so far above me that I, I remember them when they interviewed me and I'm like, they're in costume for our meeting. <laughs> yeah. Now, that is pretty cool. I'm just going to say is. that's pretty cool. It is. They, yeah. bought, they buy into it to the degree. Yeah. You, know, you could have somebody say, I don't want to do this costume. Thing. Right, right, right. I don't want to do this. 
they buy into it. And I, and I yeah. think, again, it's, a, it's about the culture, right? It's the it culture is. you create. It's a, it's a culture of friendship. It's mm. a culture of camaraderie. It's sure. a culture where we, we learn from each other. Mm-hmm. You can never stop learning from anyone, like I was telling you before. So, yeah. so you know, I think not to get too high on, on something we, we helped create, but I do think it's a fun group. It's, it it's a group that is, these are top, top people everywhere. We're, right. You know, right. and they're willing to, to dress up and present their stuff in a way yeah. that it's fun, but informative. And I think right now it's kind of a good distraction from everything else we're going through Mm -hmm. in a way that costume, why not? You know, let's have fun with it. We're not offending anybody. No, Um, not at all. So it's been very well received and I'm very grateful to our virtual committee. You know, we, we, we put the, we patched work this virtual committee. uh, I'm, I'm on it and we, you know, we have some great leadership on it and uh, you know, Mernali, I will give out some shout outs, Mernali and uh, uh, Yoshi uh, Yonakawa and Jay Shridhar and Charlie Wyckoff, Geetha Lawani, myself, and and mm-hmm. you know uh, I, I tell you what we are we are we've worked really hard on this to make uh, to make this. Nina Barakal does a great job with the costume stuff, and she's a great thought leader. And and I got to tell you, I'm so proud of the group, and I'm proud to be mm-hmm. a part of it. Uh, so I hope it continues to do well. We have another one on August 18th. It's the last one that we have scheduled, but I think what okay. we've decided is as a group is we're going to do the virtual platform uh, going forward, uh, maybe a couple of times a year in addition to the live meeting because people seem to like it. And also nice. it keeps us, it keeps us sort of uh, on the radar for, for retina specialists, yeah. you know, residents, students, that oh Bitbuckle is doing uh, their you know uh, uh, a virtual uh, meeting in the in the fall or whatever the winter and they're so I, I think it'll keep us relevant and also uh, uh, hopefully we can bring out some new material that'll be interesting too yeah so I'm very yeah. very happy with it yeah that's awesome it seems like the thing that's it's very evident that your your passion comes from not about it comes from two things it seems like it comes from the friendships and and the 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 retina stuff I mean it's and I feel like those two things combined, what you do in your professional life and who you are as a person, when you combine those two things together, then it makes for great things, especially if other people are on board too, then it's like, well, the sky's the limit now. And I think it's nice that you yeah. guys are constantly trying to evolve and grow because, you know, I think that's how it will continue to develop. And I think it's nice. I mean, hundreds of people, 600, 900 people. I mean, that's, 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 that's enough for everybody to learn something from. And like, even though, like I said, you know, as students, we don't know enough about, we don't know about ophthalmology or even right now, but I think it's exciting for us to be like, at least for me, I mean, I'm, I get excited by seeing people who I would want to hang out with, you know, like if I was mm-hmm. in a position, where I'm like, yeah. well, who would I want to, who would I want to just casually have a chat with in a, you know, in a lobby exactly. of a hotel at a conference, you know, like that's how I see yeah. it. And I think it's cool to see that there's people out there who, who are number one, passionate, work hard, but they're, they're friendly too. And they enjoy each other's company and that they don't just wear X-Men t-shirts, but they wear the full costume. So <laughs> that's, that's a very heavy investment. And I, I think it's fun. So Another thing about VBS that, that we, we talked about a little bit before we got here was, was mentorship. Uh, and you, you mentioned to me that, that that's a big part of the Buckle Society is mentorship. So what is your mentorship philosophy and how is VBS, uh, what, what is VBS's role in mentoring fellows or people who are interested right now? Yeah. So, you know, as I, one of our favorite phrases is, you know, we, we are a society that was started by fellows. So we essentially want to give back to fellows and residents who are in the same situation we were. And I think it's, it's a great message and we've kept to it. Like we, 
we do every year, we contribute to the uh, Ron Michaels Foundation uh, Fellowship Fund, which basically gives a certain amount of money to the top retina, retina fellows in the country. So we, we contribute a certain amount every year for that. But, but even more importantly, uh, a, lot of our, um, a lot of our board and, and executive committee members are in uh, residency fellowship training programs. And so what we try to do is we really try to bring them in to the VBS sort of VBS world and, and sort of uh, try to educate them in terms of not just the, the retina part, but, but, you know, connecting, you know, life is about connections like we talked about before, right? Sure. So, you know, what better way for a person who's an aspiring retina specialist who's in fellowship than to be introduced, uh, you know, uh, at, at these meetings or even oh, yeah. virtually to the, some of the top people they may never have a chance to meet otherwise. Right. I mean, right. so we're, we're building a community where we have, you know, from the top to the bottom, the top would be like, you know, the people I mentioned, like a, like a Bob Avery, Carl Rogillo, these people who are the heads mm -hmm. of programs. They've been doing this for 20, 30 years. And, and they are, they, we all feel like we're all on the same level. So this is, this is the unusual part that I see about BBS is the mentorship is that there's not so much of a hierarchical setup where, mm. oh, you know, you can't meet this guy because this person's way too big for you and you're, you're just yeah. a student or you're just a, a yeah. resident or you're just a fellow. So we really try to put it on an even playing field. And mentorship is, is more than just taking somebody to the OR and showing them how to do a retina case or a cornea sure. case or a glaucoma sure. case. It's about making them feel comfortable and, yeah. and uh, being approachable. So we, mm -hmm. we are, I would say, we try to be a very approachable group. And mentorship is this conversation, the conversation sure. you had with Prithvi, conversation you had with Jay Shridhar. Um, yeah. It's about talking and making yourself available to people to say, you know, if you have you have questions, you have things you don't understand, call us or talk to yeah. us, it's fine. So mentorship has a lot of different ways you can do it. Obviously the best way is if you're a fellowship director, like like Tom Albini and Nina Barakal, let's just give you an example because they're mm -hmm. such great friends. They're the head of the fellowship at Baskin sure. for Retina. Okay, now they're two of the people on the board. Tom and I were two of the founding members. Nina's been there for 10 years longer uh, and is, is an incredibly great part of our uh, society. Yoshi is, uh, is at, is at Wills and, and trains uh -huh. fellows. I mean, Jay trains fellows. I mean, there's so many, the list goes on and on. So the yeah. point is they are sort of doing it on an everyday basis, which is right. huge. So we have people who are relatively younger, who are very approachable, who deal with fellows, uh, residents and students. But then mm -hmm. some of us who are in private practice, or maybe we don't have access to fellows as often, we feel like our role in mentorship is to be accessible and yeah. to provide mentorship in a different way. Um, sure. I actually, uh, you know, one of the things that I find interesting is mentorship. It, it doesn't have to be what, what you used to hear about where it's just about giving somebody a project to do and then they finish it and you're like, Hey, good job. It's, mm -hmm. it's about supporting the ideas of people who are younger than you, whether they're a young retina specialist, whether they're a fellow, a resident or a student. And mm -hmm. I think the accessibility and, and support is so important. And I think our society, not take anything away from any other society, of course, but I think our right. society, we have, we're more approachable. We're younger and, and younger people tend to want to approach us because 
they can sort of see that we are just, we're not that far out. Um, yeah. The other thing we're doing, uh, which is great, is I think is we have a succession plan that's in, that's in place. And you know, some of us who are getting older, like me, you know, we're we're trying to uh, get more younger people involved. So we have a succession plan where let's say, okay, you don't know me, but you know Yoshi, or or you know uh, Brian Doe, who is doing yeah. a great job, or or Priya Vicario is doing a great job, or mm-hmm. you know, and I think they're they're not that far out of fellowship. So people can look at them and say, okay, you know, they're part of VBS. So, and I know them and they're only like a couple of years different from me. So, so mentorship for us is we're building this up in a way that whoever you want to talk to, there's somebody there. Mm -hmm. And if you work with them, great. But even if you don't, our community is a community of mentorship, if that makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's nice. I think because again, I feel like the more people you have the opportunity to at least talk to for five minutes or 20 minutes or, you know, develop a lifelong, you know, relationship with, that way you can kind of at least know that there's opportunities for you to reach your full potential. And I think that's the idea of mentorship is you want to give someone a chance to reach the potential. At least that's how I see it when my yep. mentors I've talked to, it's like, they, they, I feel like they, they want to see me be who I can be. And I think that's always the most inspiring thing is that then you believe in yourself a little bit more too. So I think it's awesome. You guys are doing that. And I think that's, I think that's something that we all like to see too in medical school or, or maybe people who are in residency and fellowship, I can't speak for them, but I'm sure that they think about this too, but you know, I think the hierarchy can be so ingrained in our minds sometimes that we're like, oh, I, how dare I send this email or how dare I talk to this person? But you have to try. I mean, you know, I think we, I, at least I, I try. I, I feel like I'm, I've, I've gained more confidence because of the mentors I've mentioned, like Dr. Shreeder and stuff, because they're like, you know, you have to shoot your shot. You have to try to reach out to people. It doesn't you matter if they to. say no. Who cares if they say no? If they say no, it doesn't matter, you yeah. know, but, you know. Totally. So, you know, the, the effort matters, you know, and, and you have to make the effort. And you know what, if it doesn't work out, that's fine. There's the yeah. good thing is now with the way things are set up, let's say you try to reach out to somebody and, and you don't get a response. Well, there's about five, 10 other people that you can reach out to, or you can reach mm-hmm. out to Jay or Prithvi, myself, whoever, and say, you know, I'm, right. I'm, I want to do something in this specific. Can you recommend somebody that, that would be great? I mean, it's all about connections, right? It's that sure. old saying, right? It's, it's, it's more who you know. It's so critical. It, yeah. What you know is important and how well you perform, but who you know opens doors. And it's about being open to that. And, and it may be people you don't even think of. And, and, you know, somebody just points you in the right direction. Kind of like what I was telling you about my dad, just telling me, just go across the street. Exactly. You know, just ask them if you, they got research to do. They have research mm. fellows already, actually. I mean, yeah. I was surprised they actually gave me a project. They're like, here's a project. Why don't you do yeah. this? You know, if you don't try, you just, you're never going to know. So mm. you have to try and, and failure happens. Right. We all fail. You know, oh, it's sure. part of life. Sure, yes. Yeah. Yes. So, but that's okay. It, it's, yeah. it's, you know, failure is okay. But if you accept the failure and don't try anymore, that's, yeah. a, that's, the, that's the problem. So Exactly. Failure is just a roadblock. You get around it, you figure it out. Yeah, like you're saying. Yeah. Exactly. Right. No, I know. I, before we got on here, we talked about roadblocks a little bit. And as somebody who has definitely failed, uh, you know, I think it's nice to see people in your position who are encouraging about those roadblocks and are, are you know, telling people like me that, yes, they're going to happen. They're going to happen more probably too. So it's good to know that. Mm-hmm. And I think the response is what you're saying is an important thing. And, and uh, you know, looking, looking to keep that wisdom as we go forward too. I want to touch base with something that, that I read about you in uh, Retina today. I know that obviously you're, you're a busy guy. And I know your Retina is something you love to do, but you love other things too. And, and you mentioned your support system is your wife. 
and uh, stuff that you you all like to do together is travel. So where are your favorite places to travel? I know right now travel is limited, but uh, where are some places that you all have been that you've really enjoyed or recommend to anybody out there in the near in the future right. so we can look forward to something? Well, you know, we I, I would say we like water destinations uh, more than anything okay. if I had to pick something. So my wife's, one of my wife's favorite places in the world is Santorini. Um, oh, wow. So Santorini, is, we've been there, I think, gosh, three or four times. I mean, she would like mm -hmm. to go there every year, actually. <laughs> so, I bet. But, yeah. uh, but it is a beautiful place. And we're kind of, a, we're kind of weird, uh, the two of us, because we actually, when we go on vacation, we're totally about just chilling out, not sure. necessarily running around. So yeah. Santorini is perfect for that. Um, one of the best vacations, my wife actually surprised me for my 40th birthday. I have to tell you the story. She took, okay. took me to the Maldives. Now, if you ever get a chance Whoa. to go to the Maldives, you, you have to do it to any of your viewers. I mean, it is, it is, it is stunning on a level that you will not find anywhere. It's sort of like untouched, you know? Okay. The problem is with everything happening, some of the Maldives, the islands are starting to go underwater. So you should try mm. to go, but there's yeah, some I gotta great resources. <laughs> some amazing okay. resorts now it depends if you're a person who likes to do a lot like mm -hmm. you know you're a person who likes to sightsee and do all this it's probably not the vacation for you but if you just gotcha. want to chill out and look at the most beautiful water in the world and yeah. just have the most relaxing vacation i think that's it so this year covid has destroyed a lot of travel plans like you said oh, i so, know right unfortunately no. so unfortunately this year is my wife and my 25th wedding anniversary and we had oh, we congrats. had this plan yeah it's it's in it's actually in a month it's uh, september 2nd okay. so we had we had planned this trip it was going to be well an off the charts trip but not going to happen right. so unfortunately yeah, we're going to yeah. go to cap we're going to go to capri we're going to go uh to positano in italy and just, wow. and also go on a wine tour and it was supposed to be amazing and all this stuff oh. so you know what we're going to put it off by a year you know what can okay. we do but yeah. but water again i we love water destinations um, okay. the greek islands in general not just santorini are honestly just amazingly beautiful mm. i would recommend those highly so travel to us just as a general thing it's a great escape it's also a great way to connect with somebody that you yeah. love in a different place and and experience things you know differently and those memories really do uh they make a difference it's also a great way to uh just decompress from everything we have we have so much you know we don't talk about it very much one of the things i do going back slightly to the vbs thing that we've been uh -huh. trying to do is the well wellness yeah yeah you know and and you know with covid especially it's like we all need to take care of our mental health and everything for sure we just don't have a lot of escapes the travel mm -hmm. for me is a great escape. Even if going driving to New York City, which is three hours away, we used to love to do that. You know, yeah. uh, you know, going to the going to uh, the beach. Uh, can't even do some of these things. The mental health aspect, I think, mm. has taken such a huge hit for all of us on that because there's, there's fewer escapes. Travel is a great escape. Experiencing new things uh, with someone you really care about is yeah. is, a, is a great way therapeutically, and we all need that you know so we're making the best of it we're gonna do something else and that's fine and we'll do that trip next year but the point is i think if you like traveling and if you try if you really can do it with someone you love it, it honestly it, i don't think there's really anything better than that so, that's awesome yeah i love it that's great love it. yeah no i think it's also very nice of you to touch on that aspect of things that is very realistic in medicine and, and more talking about probably in the last few years and average burnout resilience yeah. mental health 
And uh, I know that you guys, oh, even during BBS webinar, you all talked about, you know, during wellness during uh, COVID-19. I thought mm -hmm. that was really nice that you guys are looking out for each other. And uh, I think we need those conversations more uh, mm -hmm. in medicine. And, and it's nice that there's a group of specialists in a field like yours who are doing that. So Doc, Dr. Luckenpaul, it's been an absolute honor to talk with you. I mean, you have been so, again, it's, it's, it's always a pleasure when my guest <laughs> makes me feel more comfortable than I am supposed to make them feel comfortable. So again, you've been just a candid, honest person. It's been a pleasure to get to talk with you, meet you. Do you want to let people know where you are on Twitter and, and, and where they can find the sure. next VBS uh, webinar? Sure, sure. So uh, my handle on Twitter is uh, VR818. Uh, and the next VBS uh, webinar is going to be August 18th. Uh, and it's going to be called Greatest Hits, uh, which is, uh, I, I'm not going to give anything away, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I, will okay. be, I will be in costume. And I just received uh, Nina Barakal actually just texted me some ideas mm -hmm. for the costume. I, I think it'll be interesting. I think. Okay, like cool. It. Yeah. That'll be yeah. awesome. Yeah. So, uh, Bilal, listen, uh, thank you for having me. I am honored to, you have an amazing group of people that you are interviewing. And uh, the fact that you asked me, I'm humbled by that. And, and uh, I'm honored for that. And listen, you're doing a great thing. Keep it up. And, uh, you know, all the best to you. And I know you're going to be successful, whatever you do. And we'll keep in touch after I'll send you a message and anything you need, you let me know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Will do. Appreciate it so much. Yeah. And thanks to everybody out there who's been listening to Honestly Bilal. You can like, comment, subscribe and spread the word. If you're a medical student interested in ophthalmology or somebody who's interested in mentoring others and want to be a guest on the show, please uh, just reach out to me on Twitter. I'm pretty quick to respond and I look forward to talking to more people. So we'll see you on the next one. Thanks, everybody. You can follow Dr. Luckenpaul on Twitter at VRSurge818. That's VRSURG818. And then if you want to check out more about the Vit Buckle Society, be sure to check out their website at vitbucklesociety.org.